Hello and welcome to the Vision Church Podcast. I'm glad you're able to join us today. I've got a great word for you from this past Sunday. It was called Being With Jesus. And let me tell you, when we take time, when we um, step away from other stuff and take time to be with Him, to be in His presence, it rubs off on us. And so much so that other people can tell that you have been with Jesus. And what better thing to for people to be able to see on your life than that the fact that you've been with him. So, you know, I pray that as you take time to listen to this podcast, um, it'll minister to you and you and I will be able to go to a deeper level with him so that it just rubs off on us so much that people can't help but see nothing but Jesus when they look at us. So enjoy the podcast. Hey everyone, would you stand up with me this morning? I just want to pray as we get started this morning. Man, I'm excited about what God's going to do. Let's just pray. Just put your hands on your heart for a minute and agree with me in prayer. Father, we just lay our lives out here before you. We lay our hearts out before you. And God, we thank you for doing what you need to do this morning. Lord, we humble ourselves. And we submit ourselves, we yield ourselves, and surrender to you, to hear from heaven. So thank you, Father, for speaking to our hearts. Give us ears to hear, eyes to see, and a heart to receive. And if you agree with that, say amen. 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 You can be seated this morning. I'm going to do something a little different this morning, if you don't mind. Can I, would it be okay if I just sat down? Because... I kind of want to talk to everyone. I'm going to get back in the light so Chris is happy, our light guy. Um, but uh, I, I just want to talk to you as kind of a loving dad, if I could, for a moment. Um, I'm going to read a scripture out of Luke chapter 9. So if you have your Bible and you want to turn over to Luke, that would be tremendous. How many of you remember the president, Abraham Lincoln? Okay, you were there for that? Wow. That was, tell me your secret, man. Okay, I want to know after service. Then. Um, Abraham Lincoln had a statement. He was asked one time, um, are you ever concerned about whether or not God's on your side? And he said, I, he said I'm never concerned about whether or not God's on my side. And he said, my greatest concern is that I'm on his. I'm on his side. And, you know, I think about, moments in my life where I've been able to experience Jesus in a real tangible way. And I remember one time I was in youth camp and how many, woo, for youth camp, yeah, you went to youth camp. I, and man, youth camp, I, I think every assembly God pastor probably got his calling at youth camp. It's just my personal opinion. But anyway, I, I, I was at youth camp one, one week and all through the week, these different worship teams would lead worship. And so there was all these different youth groups from all around uh, our city that came to this youth camp. And on Friday night, it was our turn to lead. And I was playing drums um, in the youth band. And I don't know what it was, but you know how you can sense something's getting, I mean, a storm, a good storm is brewing. Something's getting ready to happen. And 
we were just playing just some warm-up music. Just as kids are coming in and they're sitting down on those old wooden benches, it was like this amphitheater kind of thing. And we were just, just playing entrance music. And even the entrance music was like, the anointing is already here. And, you know, I think about all week because all week in, in the youth camps I used to go to, I know they've changed a little bit since I went to youth camp. Um, and the youth camp that I went to, you had devotions in the morning, you had afternoon, you know, uh, teaching, and then you had free afternoon, right, to go swimming, ride horses, swing on that slippery rope, you know, out into the pond or whatever. And then, at, and then you had service that night. So by the time Friday night came around, I mean, you'd been, you'd been in, you've heard from the Word of God, heard from the Word of God, spent time with God, and then we had, even had, in the afternoon, we even had prayer time, quiet time, where you're supposed to go and pray. So by the time Friday night rolled around, I mean, it was like, get ready. Well, we, we prayed, the youth pastor prayed, and I remember we started the first song, song literally. Four hours later, I kid you not, four hours later, we finished that song. I mean, you had, you had blisters, but you didn't care. And the reason you didn't care was because you saw what God was doing. I saw teenagers that were sobbing, uh, girls that didn't like each other, that come together, and, and you knew that they were forgiving each other and God was reconciling that relationship we saw other kids that were falling out under the power we saw other kids that were getting healed and these miracles that were happening we and then in the middle of the song we would bring the song way down you know so they could talk and and then these testimonies would start popping I just got healed my eye I had a had a sty in my eye and it's gone you know and I mean all these different healings begin to take place and all these wonderful things begin to happen and why were they happening? Because we were with Jesus. We were with Jesus. And man, I'm telling you, when Jesus is here, he's everything. He's everything. And so we would go home. And you'd ride the bus home. I remember one, one bus ride home from youth camp. I was sobbing the entire way home. Because just the presence was so thick, man. Do you, anybody else have any youth camps like that where you're just, I mean, you were just buzzing for a week. I felt like Moses, man. You know, my face was glowing and, and people couldn't look at me in the eye. I don't know if that was true, but I had to wear a cover, you know, football helmet or something. Anyway... And, and I remember getting back home and getting back into life, getting back into the routine. And the fire began to sizzle. You know, if you don't keep adding gas to the fire, you don't keep adding logs, it, it burns out, doesn't it, over time. So did you find Luke chapter 9? So here, here's what I'm driving at, okay? It's the... God is trying to get us to give up. God is trying to get, uh, I got to stand up for a minute. God is trying to get us to surrender, to yield 
to the river. Have you ever been in a river? I mean, a rushing river. Have you ever tried to stand up in it? It's a fight, isn't it? I mean, it's like you got it. You know, you're holding on and you're trying to work your way across the river to the other side, maybe, and not get swept downstream. Well, what God is saying is, hey, hey, we're in church and, and my presence is here. Why don't you just surrender to the river? Why don't you just surrender to the current? We went to, took our family to South Padre and we went to Schlitterbahn down there. And you can, get, you can get in their lazy river and get in the inner tube. And you can spend four hours in the inner tube and never even get out of it. It just, you keep going around. And then you go into this little feed and you go up this chute and you, you know, and you wind up in these different places, but you don't even have to get out of the inner tube. All you have to do is enjoy the ride. But there's a cost, isn't there? What's the cost? It's to surrender, to let go. All right, let's read the scripture. Luke chapter 9, are you there? All right. So, and look at verse 57. <clears throat> now, it happened as they journeyed on the road that someone said to him, Lord, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said to him, foxes have holes, birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. In essence, he's saying, are you ready to come and travel with me? Because we don't stay in the same place twice. We sleep outside, sleep on the ground. This is not the comfort of your home here. And then he went on in verse uh, 59. And then he said to another, follow me. But he said, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. And then Jesus said to him, let the dead bury their own dead. But you go and preach the kingdom of God. Now that sounds kind of mean. But it wasn't. See, the father wasn't dead. This is the, this is the oldest son. The oldest son, if he doesn't stay around long enough to bury his own father, then he doesn't get the inheritance. Yeah, interesting. Then verse 60, Jesus said, or verse 61, and another he also said, Lord, I will follow you, but let me first go and bid them farewell who are at my house. And then Jesus said to him, no one having put his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. What, what we're seeing in this story and what the Bible calls or what, you know, people that, that wrote this translation, the New King James translation, they call it the cost of discipleship. And, and in that, what Jesus is showing us is there were people that would only follow him if the conditions were right. If these circumstances were met. Lord, it, if everything is the way I want it to be and I can bring this stuff with me, I'll come and I'll follow you. And I, I came to a place in 2000 long about 2012 or 13, I want to say 13, where we went to Louisville, Kentucky. We felt like God had called us to come to Louisville, Kentucky. And so while we were there, um, uh, the Lord spoke to my heart and he said, I want you to move to a new city that I'm going to show you because you're going to start a ministry there. I said, okay, God, well, tell me where to go. And do you know where the first place was that he dropped in my heart to tell me to go? Emporia, Kansas. How many of you have ever been to Emporia, Kansas? All right. Yeah, so you've been, it's a college town, right? <laughs> What's the population? Maybe 25,000 something. 
Most of it's the college, I think. But, uh, you know, but I mean, and I went, well, this is where my family roots are from. My dad grew up in Emporia, Kansas. All, everybody in my family was born in Kansas except me. I'm an Okie, by the way, if you wanted to, wanted to know. Yeah, go Sooners. But anyway, go, go Razorbacks. I didn't mean that, okay? Whoa, whoa. It's all right. It's all good. Um, I'm a Razorback fan now. But anyway, so, 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 and the Lord said, I want you to go to Emporia, Kansas. I said, Lord, you're kidding me. I do not want to go to Emporia, Kansas. Have you been there? Have you been to Emporia, Kansas? Do you know what it's like there? My whole family is there. All my cousins, my aunts, my uncles, my dad was raised there. I, I mean, are you sure? And this went on for two weeks. We went we didn't go back and forth. It was all one-sided. It was me. I was arguing with God. I was presenting my case for two weeks. And finally, I said, okay. What happened? I surrendered to the river. I said, God, if that's what, and I, but I, I prefaced it with this. If that's where you want me to raise my kids, just kind of shot, you know. I said, I'll move to Emporia. I'm sorry. If you're listening to this, you're from Emporia, Kansas, it's a wonderful place. I'm sorry. I don't, I don't mean anything. By it. But I was just, I couldn't understand why God was calling us there. And so once I yielded, once I finally said, okay, I'll go, the Holy Spirit said, I never wanted you to go to Emporia, Kansas. Then why have you dragged me through this the last two weeks? He said, I wanted you to be willing to go. Isaiah 119, what's it say? The willing and the obedient shall eat the good of the land. It's not good enough just to be obedient. you got to be willing. And so anyway, so the Lord said, I don't want you to go there. I said, okay, Lord, well, show me where you want me to go. And then it was Louisville, Kentucky. So we went to Louisville, Kentucky. Well, I had a problem. I didn't ask God any more questions. I didn't. I just... We just went there, and we assumed that he wanted us to start a church, so we started a church. David, I found out, was pretty smart. You remember when Ziklag happened? You remember when they burned Ziklag, and they took all of his family, everybody? What did, Jesus, what, did, what did David do? He prayed, and he asked the Lord. He said, should I go after them, and will I be successful? Will I recover everything? David was smart. He asked a lot of good questions. I got the details. And so what happened? He went and he recovered all. Well, I didn't ask the details. I just said, where do you want me to go? And I assumed that we were supposed to start a church. So we started the church. But then also with the church, we started an outreach ministry. And, and what happened was the outreach ministry, the first time we went out, we took, you took, actually I didn't get to go because I was working. You took lemonade and, and, and oatmeal cookies. And that was our big giveaway. And we played with the kids out in the common area, you know, and took them off their parents' hands and basically got free babysitting for about an hour and a half, two hours. And we just, you know, but what happened was that went from lemonade and oatmeal cookies to food, clothes, furniture, household items, and three to 500 people coming out. But what happened with the church was the church never, I never, I don't think I preached to more than 32 people. In the church, most of the time it was less than 20. Well, we just thought, well, we just need to change this. I just need to preach better. Well, we just need to do this. And we were trying to make the church work all the time. The outreach ministry was flourishing. 
and exploding. And it only took me, now maybe you're a little quicker than I am, it only took me about six years. <laughs> if I'm anything, I'm faithful. <laughs> I'm consistent, man. I was in there. <laughs> okay, God, same 20 this week. You know, we're going we're gonna to get them all saved again. And, uh, but the outreach ministry was taken off, and it finally dawned on me. And my uncle said, Phil, I was telling him about it, telling him what was happening. I said, you know, it just doesn't seem like the church is doing well, but it, sounds, it seems like the outreach ministry is just flourishing. And he said, you know, Phil, sometimes it's a good idea to go with what God is blessing. Well, I should have been smart enough to understand that, right? But I needed my uncle. I needed God to speak to me through my uncle, and he did. And when he did... It was like Jethro to Moses. I said, oh, I've seen the light. And so we, we, we married the church to another church and sowed everything into another church. And then the outreach ministry took off. And God started using it. Why am I telling you this? Because sometimes we try to get God to bless what we're doing. God, I've got my plan. God, I feel called to this. Now, all of you are called. Right? Do you know that you have a calling? All of you have a, a calling that God has, and it's a specific calling for you. It's something that only you can do. And man, I, you know, I felt, I felt dumb on one side that, that I didn't see that earlier. But then I started thinking back, how many times have I tried to get God to bless what I'm doing? God, I've got this plan. So I was kind of in that way a little bit. I had this music studio that I'd purchased, and we had this uh, television studio. We were doing some projects with it, and I thought I had my idea, my plan. Okay, I wanted to go. I wanted to go into filmmaking. I was a film editor years before. I wanted to. I wanted to, you know, use the recording studio to do do backing tracks, you know, that we could sell online. And, and so I had, I had all of these different ideas, all of these different thoughts, and I was writing songs and, and had, a, had a few people that had recorded my songs. That was, that was fun, you know, and I thought, man, this is, look at what's happening. Some doors are opening up, and it's little by little, and sometimes, you know, you just got to kick the door in. You got to get through that wall so that, you know, it, it can be a blessing. All the while, never surrendering to the river. Just trying to make it, God bless my plan. Bless my plan. Well, this is my plan over here. This is what I want to do. God, can you bless this? God, this is the relationship I want to be in. God, could you bless this? This is the career that I, that I want to go on. God, could you bless this? So it's 2013. And I remember that I felt so empty inside dissatisfied that things weren't working that things just weren't it didn't seem like God anything was breaking loose anything was was happening and and uh I finally surrendered to the river and so I just put my hands in the air and I said God I'm not doing anything else until you tell me what you want me to do not doing anything else. And you know what happened? Two weeks later, I got an email from a friend of mine. And he said, Phil, he said, let me know when a good time is to call you. My wife and I want to talk to you and Nicole. And so I, 
And so I had just gotten this email, and I'm on my way downstairs because I was getting ready to get on the treadmill. Come on, somebody. And I got on the treadmill, and all I could think about was that email that he had sent me. That Phil, I want, you know, we want to talk to you about. And so I, I asked God, I said, God, what is that about? And the Holy Spirit spoke to my heart, and he said, he's going to ask you to be the production manager of, a minist- you know, of this production that they're traveling with, a ministry called the 99, and travel the nation. And he said, are you, really, are, you, are you willing to give everything away? I thought, well, that's an interesting statement. I like the first part of that. The second part, I'm not sure I fully understand you. Did you say give everything away? And I'm on the treadmill. And the Holy Spirit, you know, God's not answering. How many of you, I, am I the only one that God hasn't answered? Is he? Okay, yeah. I didn't think so. And so I'm on the treadmill, and I'm looking around our basement, and I see all this furniture. I see our, the workout you know, area that I believed God for for all these years, and I started thinking about all the other things. I started thinking about our, you know, the, the, the recording studio that we had, all the television equipment. And I said, God, you want me to give everything away. You want us to give everything away. Sorry, I don't mean to make this about me. It was Nicole and I. You want us to give everything away. I said, uh, and there was a big knot in my throat. And I said, yes, sir. Yes, sir. And I said it with that knot in my throat. And I said it with that uneasy feeling. Why? Because those are feelings. But oftentimes we know when the Holy Spirit has spoken to our heart. Haven't we? Don't we? He speaks to your heart and you, you just kind of get, it's like, wow, you want me to do that? And so... So we started to give things away. And when we gave away something that, I think it was the recording studio, when we gave that away, I had that knot in my chest all the way up until God showed us who to give that to. And we, and we brought all the equipment over and we dropped it off at his office. And I shook hands with him and I prayed over him. I said, God bless you, man. Man, make, make, it, make it happen. And I walked out the door. And when I walked out the door, that uneasy feeling lifted. And it was like there was this freedom. There was this complete freedom that just came on me. And it was like, thank you, God. It was like this weight just lifted off of my shoulders. And now after that experience, man, we wanted to give away the next thing and the next thing. And we started giving stuff away. We gave everything away, and to even our house. And we, with the, people, the lady, I, okay, later we, we wound up selling it. We tried to give it away. They didn't receive it. I can't change that. But they had a three-year opportunity, and then, and then we sold it. But we, in essence, gave it to them. But we gave everything in it away. I mean, left pictures on the wall, TVs, furniture, everything. And in three months, God gave us an RV. And he gave us monthly support, which we never didn't have before, didn't know anybody, uh, didn't talk to anybody about raising support I mean we shared it with a few people but but God brought everything in that we needed to go on the road and then do you know what happened when we were on the road it was amazing all of our needs were met you know Philippians 419 says that Paul said to the Philippians he said and my God shall supply all your need according to his Riches and glory by Christ Jesus. We should rejoice in that because it's not your responsibility if you're in the perfect will of God. If you're doing what he told you to do, it's not your responsibility to pay for it. 
That's good news, don't you think? I mean, the Bible also says that what soldier goes to war at his own expense? They don't. Everything is provided. Housing, all the equipment, everything that they're going to need to accomplish the mission. And do you know that God brought in everything that we needed? Man, I'm just so thankful. I'm just so thankful. Because I've tried to explain this to people, and I don't know that I've done a very good job explaining it at times. But if you've tried to walk something out, and you've looked at it as in in two ways. One, and your first thought is, how are we going to pay for this? I can tell you, you're already starting off on a bad foot. You don't want to go right to, how are we going to meet the need? How are we going to pay this bill? You know, we just, Nicole mentioned the warehouse. Uh, we were just blessed with uh, the opportunity to use an 8,000 square foot warehouse. And so, you know, we're, we haven't signed the lease yet, but we have a year lease for free on the warehouse um, that we're getting ready to sign to hand back. Um, we just finished cleaning it yesterday. But the reason is, is because I've, I have a friend for the last four years has been telling me, Phil, I, I, want to, I need to send you a truck. You need to receive a semi-load full of products so that you can bless families in need. And I said, well, I have nowhere to go with them. I have nowhere to put them. You know, I can't do, I can't do a drive-through distribution with a sectional. I mean, that would be, can you imagine? Somebody's V-dub, you know, you're sitting sectional. And so we didn't have a way to really do it. And then God opened up this door. And, and really, before this warehouse opened up, I said, God... Please, if, if this is not your will, take it away. Stop bugging my thoughts about it. Because my mind would just keep, kept, just kept going back to this warehouse and blessing families in need and using it as a way to bless families, but also to be able to witness to families and pray for families when you bring them free stuff that meets their need. We don't just want to meet people's physical need. We want to meet their spiritual need. Because, guys, I'm telling you, we are living right now in a day and a time where Jesus, his return is imminent. We don't have a lot of time. Do we? I know right now, I know, okay, I'm 54 years old. Just so you know, we'll, ask, we'll get that answered if you were asking. I don't know that you were. But I don't know that you cared. But, but here's my point. If I was 25 years old... I wouldn't be probably thinking this. I think as we get older, it's, it's, it's easier to think this is, it's more imminent. But I'm telling you, look around. Look at all the stuff that's happening. Look at all the people that don't know Jesus. Look at the people that are coming out of the closet on one side and then the Christians that are in the closet on the other side that need to come out so that Jesus... The gospel, let me tell you, the good news of the gospel, the gospel is one name, and it's Jesus. He is the gospel. He is the gospel. And if us as Christians, if we are not finding out what it is that God wants us to do and getting in his call and surrendering to the river of what do you want me to do, then 
we're going to spin wheels. I don't know about you, but I'm not about spinning wheels. I know I spun wheels on that church for six years. But sometimes, for me, I needed, I needed to hear it. I needed to come to that place where I finally realized, God, I don't know that I'm 100% in your will. Because time is short. We, we, it's too dangerous to be out of the will of God. You know what? When, when uh, we traveled with that ministry, we were, um, we were not the first couple that was asked. There were many other couples that were asked besides Nicole and I. And do you know why they didn't do it? Because all of them wanted a guarantee. Because I didn't tell you this, but when, when we were asked uh, to travel on the road, they presented the whole package to us, and then at the very end said, oh, by the way, there's no salary. Now how many of you want to go travel? No salary. How's that going to work? How are you going to do that? Well, I think you have to answer a very important question. Does God want me to do this? Because if God wants me to do it, he's responsible to pay the bill. And do you know we lacked for nothing? We were so blessed. We couldn't. Anyway, it was... was, I had never written a, a check to bless anyone bigger than $500, maybe 1000 up to that point. While we were traveling on the road, God bless us, we, we were able to sow $19,000 into the Dominican Republic. <laughs> I couldn't do that. I didn't have a job, quote unquote. I was traveling and obeying. But see, God brought that in so that I could bless the Dominican Republic. You know how many thousands of people we saw get saved in the Dominican? Get set free. People that were dealing with suicide, Satanists, Satan worship. I mean, you're right next to the Haitian border, right there in, in, in a, a Mataona and some of the other places that we were, you know. And, oh, my word. Benny Hinn made a very powerful statement. He said this. He said, The Holy Spirit doesn't care a lot about the stuff we think is important. And he cares about a lot of stuff. He thinks a lot about the stuff that we don't think is important. Wow. Wow, wow, wow. Thank you, Jesus. Rebecca, come help me. So... Here's, here's, here's where I'm going with this. Well, let me read this to, to you. I heard this yesterday. And this was, how many of you have heard of Eric Gilmore? Wow, wow. He was asked a question. I was watching this panel discussion. And, he, and there were three of them. And, there, and the question was... Um, how is it that people similar to like, you know, the, the youth camp I was telling you about where we had this public major experience with God? And so the question was, how is it that people sometimes have a public, you know, experience with God, and, but it doesn't sustain? It doesn't change them later. It, it And he said, well, I've got one sentence. This is my answer. 
if the public touch does not turn into the private kiss, it will not last. If the public touch does not turn into a private kiss, it will not last. And I think some people, maybe you're like me, in the, I can't tell you how many times when I was at Victory Church in Tulsa growing up, and Victory Church, when I was there, Pastor Billy Joe Doherty was so evangelistic. I mean, I learned so much about evangelism. It was evangelism, 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 evangelism. And, and I would well up in tears every altar call. And I answered just about every one of them. Sometimes I didn't get up and go down, but I answered it in my seat. And I just put my head between my legs and just would cry. And so I got, to, I got an opportunity to get to meet Dan Moeller, thanks to the Moshells. And, uh, and then I got invited to a pastor's deal where Dan was going to be. And, and it was real intimate. So, you know, you, I got to ask a lot of questions and really talk to him. And, and at the end, I walked over to him and I did something dumb. I said, which was not the first time, but I, this is what I did. I walked over to him and I said, would you, would you lay hands on me? And I had tears in my eyes. And would you pray for me? Because I just want to know God more. He said, Phil, I don't need to pray for you. He said, just get in the word more. Spend more time in prayer. I thought, well, that was dumb. I knew that. But then, but then he went on. He said, but Phil, let me tell you what I see in your tears. And then this is where he nailed me to the wall. He said, let me tell you what I see in your tears. Here's what I see. I see a person who sees his own report card and you see straight A's and there's one B on there and it's driving you nuts. He said, it's breaking your heart because there's that, there's that one thing that's preventing you back. It's keeping you back from going to where you want to go with God. So I want to read to you out of, yeah, I need glasses to see, okay. I want to read to you out of uh, Galatians chapter 2. If you got your Bible, turn over there. I shared a little bit of this on uh, Wednesday night, but I'm going to read it to you out of the message. How many of you have ever started working out or exercising? And... You feel like everybody else should be exercising too because you are. It's like you've raised the bar and so now everybody else has to step up to the bar. Is anybody? Yeah, okay. Honest, some honest people in here. Well, it's like when you get born again and you ask Jesus to come into your heart, you make him the Lord of your life. And do you remember that? I mean, I'm talking about the first conversion experience. I'm not talking about the 32nd time that you answered an altar call. I'm talking about the real one, the one where you made the decision and you said, yeah, God, I'm all in, 100%, all in. And then you did that and then you, you went pretty good for a week 
two, maybe some of you even made it a month. And then you slipped up. You missed it. You sinned. And then how did you feel? Just want to kick the can down the street, right? I mean, you just felt like... (sighs) And you think, how in the world am I supposed to live this Christian life? How How in the world am I supposed to be the way Jesus is? Well, this will encourage you, okay? You got your Bibles? Good, Galatians 2. Look at verse 16. I'm gonna read it to you out of the message. It says, we know very well that we are not set right with God by rule keeping, but only through personal faith in Jesus Christ. How do we know? We tried it. We had the best system of rules the world has ever seen. Convinced that no human being can please God by self-improvement, we believed in Jesus. Everybody say that out loud. I believe in Jesus. As the Messiah. So that we might be set right before God by trusting in the Messiah, not by trying to be good. Have some of you noticed that we are not yet perfect? Have any of you noticed that? But it's like you feel bad. Some people don't want to come to church because they think there's a bunch of goody two-shoes in here. And then they come to Vision Church and they go, wow, you guys are like pretty honest about not being perfect. I thought, well, who is? <laughs> I mean, show them to me. Wow. Okay. And so no great surprise, right? That's what it goes on to say. And are you ready to make the accusation that since people like me who go through Christ in order to get things right with God aren't perfectly virtuous, Christ must therefore be an accessory to sin? The accusation is frivolous. If I was trying to be good, I would be rebuilding the same old barn, barn that I tore down. I would be acting as a charlatan. What actually took place is this. I tried keeping the rules and working my head off to please God, and it didn't work. That was my report card that I was talking to you about. So I quit being a lawman so that I could be a God's man. A God man. Some of you need to quit being a law man. Start being a God man. Start being a God woman. And then he says, Christ's life showed me how and enabled me to do it. I identified myself completely in him. Indeed, I have been crucified with Christ. My ego is no longer central. It is no longer important that I appear righteous before you and have your good opinion. And I am no longer driven to impress God. Christ lives in me. The life you see me living is not mine, but it is lived by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. And I'm not going back on that. Wow. And if you jump into chapter two, Paul says to the Galatians, he says, Are you guys nuts? Are you crazy? Are you still trying to get a perfect straight A report card like Phil? Might as well say like Phil. Because that's where I was. 
I was trying to get straight A's. And let me tell you what Dan said and how he finished that comment. He said, Phil, don't you yet realize that Jesus died and gave you straight A's? Phil, what are you saying? You sin? I'm saying that my love for the Father and wanting to please Him has pulled me out of sinning and into pleasing Him. I'm not giving anybody in here a license to sin. Heaven forbid. That's what Paul said. But what I am calling you to this morning is a time to surrender to the river in your own life and travel with Jesus. Remember the bumper stickers years ago? God is my co-pilot. Remember those? I don't know if you guys. And, and it was like, why is he your co-pilot? Put him in the driver's seat. Dear Lord, you don't need to be driving. Do you? Would you stand up with me? I want to pray for you, but I want to give an opportunity here to surrender to the river. And I'm going to ask, I'm going to ask, a, I'm going to ask the worship team to come back, but I, I want Zach to sing a little bit because God's anointing is here. And here's what I'm going to ask you to do. Some of you have not surrendered fully to him. It's like getting baptized and holding up something out of the water that you don't, you don't want it to die. So Jesus is not an accessory. He's not a belt we put on. He's not suspenders that we put on. He's not an accessory. He's the main thing. We're supposed to put him all on, right? Thanks for listening to the Vision Church podcast. Hey, be sure to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes and SoundCloud and follow up with our messages from week to week at visionnwa.com forward slash messages. And if you would like to support this ministry financially with what God is doing here in Northwest Arkansas and around the world, be sure to support us online at visionnwa.com forward slash give.